to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you heard the gospel lesson. Jesus was really exhausted, both physically and emotionally, I think. After hearing the news of John the Baptist's tragic death, Jesus needed some time away, some time alone, to grieve, to pray, and to plan his next session. Most of all, he needed time to be silent with God. But when he stepped off the boat onto the shore of what he thought would be a quiet and peaceful place, the crowds found him. We heard that last week. People came running toward him, and, well, I guess that's the price you have to pay for being a celebrity. Well, the time came when Jesus sent the disciples off in the boat, said, I'll meet you over yonder. You take off, but I've got some some downtime with my Father, my Heavenly Father coming, so I'll catch up to you later. And so it was with an urgent personal need that that Jesus sought that time alone. Well, the gospel writer suggests that the disciples may have been hesitant about climbing into the boat on that particular uh, day. Matthew writes that immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side. I don't know if he had any argument, but that was the deal. Go. Do what I say. I'm the boss. Well, now, the Sea of Galilee was a beautiful lake surrounded by hills, it was nature at its best. And there, was snow, there was the snow-capped Mount Hermon to the north, and it was a magnificent setting, but the currents of wind would frequently roll down the surrounding hills and sweep across the, that placid lake as a sudden storm with no warning. The disciples, several of them being experienced fishermen, may have noticed those conditions were looking about right for one of those powerful summer storms. They sensed an ominousness about it all. Climbing into a small boat on the Sea of Galilee may have been the last thing those 12 men really wanted to do that evening. Maybe they thought, you know, Jesus, you're going off by yourself. Give us a chance to just kind of take a snooze for a while. We have it coming. But Jesus was not willing to do that. He wanted them to do what he needed them to do. And maybe he had a glimpse of the future. Maybe he knew what was going to transpire later on. Well, after Jesus had sent away his disciples and the crowds, he found a place of solitude where he was able to finally spend some time of solitude and contemplation and prayer. There are times when one's mind must be in conversation with one's soul, after all. 
And this can only be accomplished without outside distractions. But even while Jesus was absorbed in his own thoughts, his own reflections, his own plans, and maybe a glimpse of the future further down the road that was not such a a tasteful thing to anticipate, while he was caught up in his own reflections, the clouds were gathering, the winds were blowing harder, the waves were getting white caps. And that boat with the disciples was beginning to get tossed around. Well, as they adjusted their sail and manned the tiller and tried to control their immediate destiny, one of those disciples suddenly pointed out into the darkness something that was barely visible through the flying spray and the blackness of the sky. They looked closely wiping the the sweat and the, the water out of their eyes. And they squinted and they nudged each other and they whispered and suddenly their concern over the storm conditions was replaced by a new and sudden concern, unexpected terror. For now they could clearly see that it was an apparition, a ghost perhaps, And who isn't afraid of ghosts? And you set those conditions, the stormy weather, the prospect of being swamped and drowned. Ghosts are the last thing you need to worry about. But there it was, drifting across the surface of the sea, and they began to cry out in fear. But somehow there was a momentary calm in the storm, And they could clearly hear that voice coming from that apparition. And it said, take heart, men. It's me. Don't be afraid. And then Peter, as impetuous as ever, cried out, Lord, if it is you, then command me to come out over the water so I can walk on the water just like you you are doing. And Jesus replied, well, come then, come. And Peter boldly stepped over the side of the boat onto the surface of the great lake. Now, over the years, as a veteran and successful fisherman, Peter had pretty much seen it all and done it all. Well, everything except this. But he felt himself to be a quick learner. And we can almost read his mind as the excitement rose at the sight of his master now standing peacefully nearby on top of the water, the waves just seeming to, to smooth out around him. Hey, that's really cool. I'll bet I can do that too. Jesus, let me try that. And when the invitation came, Peter had already forgotten all about that storm and even about the others in the boat. It was just him and Jesus now. And off we go. And with his first footsteps on the water, he did what his master did. He actually did it. He walked on the water. The Bible doesn't tell us how far he got before... He stopped being so confident, got a little bit nervous, and very quickly started to sink. 
And as his faith began to retreat, Peter began to lose his nerve. And the water was no longer under his feet, but it was over his head. But then Jesus reached down. Don't know if Peter even saw it, but all of a sudden there was the strong hand of his Savior reaching down to him, grabbing him. And gently but firmly and suddenly, as they entered the boat, the ordeal was over. And the storm suddenly just simply disintegrated around them. And there was no more than just a gentle breeze, a zephyr. That night, out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, twelve men whose hearts were still pounding from the experience recognized their leader, their master, was far more than a gifted prophet and an astute leader of men. Far more. That night, just before the break of dawn, songs of praise were sweeping over the waters of the Sea of Galilee. Imagine yourself there in that same boat, in awe of the one that you thought you knew so very, very well, and discovered, boy, I've just begun to know this man. You see, the Son of God once again had come to the rescue of a fearful and doubting people, just like you and me. Matthew relates this account not merely to let us know something that once happened to Jesus and the band of his followers. It wasn't an episode out of a history book. It's also a parable about the church. It describes the church as a small boat filled with frightened, doubting disciples on a storm-tossed sea. And believe you me, as we look at the news and hear CNN or ABC or read the newspaper, we see that this world is today a storm-tossed sea. Very frightening, very uncertain. We tend to find comfort in visualizing the church as a solid and safe place filled with people who have a firm and unshakable faith in God and in God's Son. And there might actually be times when, at least metaphorically, we feel that we too can walk on water or close to it. At least with a bit of encouragement, we wouldn't mind trying. But then the reality of life seems to overwhelm us. begins to well up around our ankles, and soon we're waist-deep in our situation, and we can see that the church is beginning to feel more and more like a fragile boat bobbing in a world filled with dangers and disappointments and uncertainties. And sometimes churches themselves seem to be breeding grounds for discontent and conflict. But I think this can happen when, like Peter, folks get caught up in their own agendas or self-righteousness and lose sight of the one who is actually the master. You see, this isn't our church. It feels good to call it our church, doesn't it? (coughs) But this church belongs to our Lord. He's the master, not us, not the pastor, not the president of the congregation, 
Not even the, the organist. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Jesus is the one that's the boss. And we can trust him. He's the one that we should pattern ourselves after. Maybe not just like when Peter took his first steps out onto the water, but the third and the fourth and the tenth and the twelfth and the twentieth steps to follow him in confidence. And then with the faith that comes with compassionate relationship, we can carry on with a a loving purpose and a holy style. I like that. Being Christians with style. Not sure that's used very much, but but I like to hear it used about us. Now the other ingredient in that incident on the Sea of Galilee that I haven't mentioned yet, but will now, is that the story really isn't all that much about Peter going to meet Jesus on the water. It's really and I want you to catch this. It's really about Jesus coming to Peter and the others. Matthew painted a picture of the church as a boat being tossed around by the fierce wind and waves. But it is into this picture of the storm-tossed boat and the wild storm that Jesus came bringing his peace. Yeah, he calmed the storm and, and the waves mellowed out. But there were storms than the storm on the sea, aren't there? There are all kinds of storms, and it's not just the kind that take, are taking place right now in the Middle East. It's the kind of storms that take place in our own lives. Looking for meaningful jobs, getting through classes, getting passing grades, fighting illnesses or conflict within our families or relationships. There are wild storms going on in our lives. And it is into the midst of these storms that Jesus continues to come and to reach out to us. Now, that doesn't mean that the storms of life will immediately dissolve for us or the church if we keep our eyes on Jesus. It may continue for what seems a long time, but after all is said and done, in the midst of it all, Jesus is right there, caring about you, knowing what's going on, not just around you, but within you, and loving the heck out of you. And if we listen with our ears of faith, I think we can almost hear Jesus' voice. Take heart, my friends. It is I. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm coming to you, and I'm reaching out to you, and I will be with you always. We simply cannot meet the struggles of everyday life by ourselves. We already know that. We need our Master to accompany us and to help us through, and as extensions of our Master, those around us. Perhaps the person sitting right next to you in the church, no matter how well you know them to reach out and care to you. Sometimes we need Jesus to give us a push now and then so that we actually dare to do some things that we're not sure we're capable of doing. 
He calls us to speak messages of hope for those who have so little hope. He calls us to bring a calming presence to those who feel that they are being thrown to and fro by the circumstances of life. And then, last but not least, Jesus calls us to follow him. If we're willing to try that, well then, even if we can never quite walk on water like Jesus, we're not going to sink either, because he's going to be right there beside you. That's a promise that's been written in blood. And that's all I have to say about it today. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.